Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is Eric Owsley, and today's something cool is his newly launched podcast, Openly Gamer Theater. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, most people may already be familiar with you uh, from your work with what you've done with Gamer Stable. Um, but you have not really, this isn't like separate from that, but it's not really this together. So first of all, explain what Openly Gamer Theater is or what it's going to be, and then kind of how that relates to what you've done before with Gamer Stable. Openly Gamer Theater is a bringing together of several different ideas. It's probably best that I start from the beginning. The The genesis of it is that I um, initially wanted some actual play content for gamers table. And we kind of dabbled with that a little bit. And then we kind of went off in our own direction doing something else. And it really, it's very popular and successful, but not really what the actual show was about. So I wanted something where our actual play or our dramatizations were kind of its own thing uh, because we wanted to be known for what we do, but there's also the, because it's, it's such a different, it's a divergence from what we do weekly. I thought, I felt that it needed its own platform. So, um, so openly gamer theater to answer your question is a, it's a show, um, a series of, of different productions. I, I, pr- I prefer to call them productions because um, when you call them shows, that kind of implies that it comes out weekly, and that's not really the case. Each thing is going to be handled as its own production. I mean, we have uh, audio. We're going to do audio dramas. We're going to do actual play co- uh, podcasts, just like you know your traditional actual play podcasts. And then we're going to continue to do what uh, we have labeled the uh, uh, role play drama, which is a kind of a, a mixture or a blend of both actual play podcast and audio drama. Now you, you have done all three of those types already in some version or another on gamers table. Is there any examples that you would point someone to if they, if they haven't already listened to kind of get an idea of what, what you mean by that for each of the types? Well, when you're talking about actual play, the way I'm going to structure the actual plays for openly gamer theater are very, similar to the way that our um, very first actual play for Gamers Table was produced. It was a, um, it was Victoriana, and it was, was it six episodes, five or six episodes? It was very much a traditional actual play in that you have the Game Master describing what's going on, players reacting, some table talk, some rules discussion, but very small. And you really do get that feel of, what it's like to be sitting at the table and playing that game. Th- that's what traditional actual play is. And to me, that's what I love about actual play. And I think that is what draws people to actual play, especially when it comes to a game either that they they either really love or a lot of times I've also found it's a game that, a pay- that people have played in the past and they want to live vicariously through that listening to your game or a game that they've never even played before. They want to kind of audit it. And see if they want to purchase that game or want to get into it. Because getting into a role-playing game is a, is a big investment. Not just money, but time. And a lot of people don't want to waste their time on a game that's a dog. So 
you know, they'll listen to a- actual plays to kind of get a feel for what is this game all about. So that's the intention with the actual plays for Openly Gamer Theater is we're going to showcase some games that we like, maybe even some new games that we, you know, that come along or that we want to play or new to us, produce them and showcase them so people will listen and go, I kind of want to play that game. When it comes to audio drama, that I can't really point to any examples uh, that I've done in the past because that's actually kind of a new thing for us. Now, audio drama, anybody who listens to audiobooks knows what an audio drama is because that's exactly what it is. You're listening to a story being told. It's uh, it's scripted completely. It's not. There's no table talk. There's no, um, you know. There's no collaborative storytelling involved. It's a straight up. You're listening to a dramatization. Um, so that in that, I can't really point to any examples, like I said. But for me, that's kind of an exciting thing because that's something that I've always wanted to do, and. It allows people who have maybe have a short story that they have or they want to get out there or maybe they've written in the past, convert it to a a script form and then we can do it and they can listen to their story. It sounds kind of maybe self-serving or, you know, maybe even kind of a little bit lame, but some people really do get, you know, get a charge out of hearing one of their stories brought to life. And it's, you know, you're talking about voice actors doing parts, you're talking about sound effects you're talking about music let me jump in there because i just want to call that out so you are actually having like an open call for submissions to the audience like anyone not not just you or your group of friends or players anyone can submit something that will be evaluated and considered to become one of your audio dramas so one yes where would they send that how would they get a hold of you and two uh, what sort of things are you looking for and then do they have to give up like you know, creative control, like if it's yours, is it yours type of a thing? Because I'm sure people have those questions. Absolutely. Uh, and that's an excellent question, actually. Um, no, it's not just me. Uh, it is an open call. If uh, if you have a, a short story or you have, maybe you haven't written it yet. If you just maybe have the itch to write a story that you want dramatized. Uh, yeah, th- that's what I'm looking for. As a matter of fact, the very first uh, audio drama that we're going to release was it is a short story written by a guy named Bob Freeman who, you know, through Twitter found us and he had listened to Gamers Table before and said, well, I've got some stories, you know, here, let me send you something. And he sent it to me and we're like, yeah, sure, let's do this. He can, he, it's his story. I, I don't claim any rights to any stories that, that we produce. The only credit that I take is in the production itself or Sometimes short stories don't translate well into script form, uh, especially when you're talking about injecting actors, because actors aren't robots. So they're not going to say maybe a a line exactly as it was written. So there is a a little bit of a give and take between the the author and uh, the the actor. And, you know, and also I have to edit edit this all together. It's the editing process is actually pretty easy for me because all I'm really doing is just putting a bunch of pieces together. So, um, but yeah, they, they don't give up their rights to their story. As a matter of fact, if anything, I want it to be a, uh, a way for them to present their story and say, this is the, you know, if they're going to, let's say they submit a story to, you know, Asimov magazine or something like that. And they say, you know, Hey, this is my, this is my short story that I submitted. If you want to hear this dramatized, I wrote it for this. 
You know, it's a it's a vehicle to try and get stories out there. And some of the people who write, you know, role playing game stories, game masters are some of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And some of the greatest storytellers that I've ever spoken to. And I go, why aren't you producing these things? And a lot of times it's just a matter of getting your foot in the door or getting something out there. And that's what really what Openly Gamer Theater is, is the attempt to just get it out there for people who maybe don't have the opportunity to or the the means to get their stories out there to be seen. So uh, the way you can do that and the way you can get a hold of me, I'm you can get a hold of me through through email. That's probably the best way to do it. And Eric at OpenlyGamer.com. OpenlyGamer.com is our website. There's a on the top menu, there's uh, a link for or a page on the menu is for the pages for I have for actors writers and even players there you know if if and I'll, if you want to play in one of our actual play podcasts you don't have to be one of my friends eventually you'll probably become one of my friends but it's open if you want to play and the the only sticking point is audio quality and that's one of the tenets of openly gamer theater and one of the things that I'm really really focused on is the fact that and and this isn't a knock on anybody who produces actual play, but a lot of actual play for a casual listener is not very palatable. And it's because of the audio quality. Stories are fantastic, but the audio quality is suffering. And 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 it's you know, it's a big it's a monetary investment to try and get the right amount of equipment and things like that to make good audio. Amen, brother. Yeah, and I and I understand that. So, you know, uh I'm not uh, I'm not expecting somebody to go out and get a full rig of stuff, but if let's say for instance you're going to you want to play in one of the audio or the if let's say you want to play in one of the actual plays and you have a microphone at home that's a eh, decent enough microphone and play on an online game through a hangout or something like that that's usually pretty much enough you know because what I'll do is I take the audio from that and then you know make that in put that into into the production itself so it just because it don't think that i don't have good enough audio to be involved that's not necessarily true in all cases the the technology's there so yeah it's completely open and i would just throw in there that it is possible um like we've had to put in quite a lot of investment in our show to get everyone up to that quality. I have six players, though we don't always play the same six people, but I needed to have six microphones yeah. that I could record. And then I also have three online players for the same thing. So they also had to get their own setup. But if you're interested in doing this for less than $100, and I know $100 for some people is a lot of money, absolutely, but... For less than $100, you could get a setup that would make you, you would sound at least as good as we do, minus my cool accent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so less than 100 bucks, you can get, there's multiple ways. You don't even have to do it the way we did it. But the, the Snowball Yeti, the, the Bullet Yeti are both under 100 bucks. Um, you can get like a decent microphone and a single mixing board with a USB out off Amazon because I've bought them for less than a hundred bucks. So, so just to reinforce it, there's someone out there who's really excited about what we're talking about. They're like, oh my God, I want to do that, but I don't think I sound good enough. If you can drop about 70 to 80 bucks, you can get there. Right. And maybe less if you buy it used or Craigslist or eBay or something. Right, exactly. So it, yeah, the, like I said, you know, it's out there. If you really want to do it, you know, there's, that's the, that would be the only thing stopping you. And, and you know, getting in contact with us to say, 
I'd be really interested in doing that. The last aspect of Openly Gamer Theater is what we call our role play dramas. And what that is, a role play drama is the blend of the actual play and the audio drama. The best example for that would be the last one produced under uh, Gamer's Table, which was our uh, Shadowrun, uh, the Dragon Variation, uh, which actually I have a link for on Openly Gamer Theater because I actually jumped the gun a little bit with that and produced it and labeled it Openly Gamer Theater Presents Shadowrun, the, Dra the Dragon Variation. And I did that actually, honestly, with the the one previous to that, which is a uh, Call of Cthulhu, the Stygian Fragment. All were labeled Openly Gamer Theater Presents. And that was by design because I kind of knew I was going to be doing this and I needed the transition to kind of be seamless. So people who listened to it before were just kind of, they were, they were aware that that's what we were calling our actual plays and our role play dramas. We were labeling it that. So launching this as its own thing, what isn't kind of a harsh blow to the listeners of the other show, they kind of expected it to come. And so with the role play dramas, those are much more intricately edited and uh, sophisticated when it comes to the production value and the process that I go through. It's very time intensive, so I'm not going to be producing a whole bunch of those over the course of a year, but um, they, those will be the, the showcase, the, the feature presentations, whereas the, the audio dramas and the one-shot actual plays and things like that will be content, and it, I'm not going to pull back on the production value, but it's just it's, it's a less of a process, so it's easier to get that out. Uh, for people to listen to, but role play dramas take me a long time to to do it because I'm I'm basically doing it all myself. So just on the uh, dragon variation alone, I did well over four hundred and four hundred and fifty hours of editing for the for that production. That's in addition to what I do, you know, professionally and and going to school your actual so. job my actual job right yeah i do it all for free so yeah i know the feeling there too so <laughs> that, that brings up two questions i want to touch on one is for any current listeners because i'm sure some people will see your name on our show and maybe come over to, to hear what's going on so relating that back to gamers table are they not going to have any actual plays anymore and just do like the round tables or will they continue to do actual plays and will you be involved in those any actual plays or role play dramas done at the gamers table um, table with the the core group of of the round table group um, is now openly gamer theater. There will be no more gamers table actual plays or role play dramas or anything like that. And so, uh, because I didn't want there to be any confusion, you know, b gamers table is a round table RPG discussion show topical rpg discussion show and that is all from this point on from actually from january 1 of this year uh moving forward anything produced that is a dramatization of gaming or games or things that we do is all under the label of openly gamer theater okay and then so the second question uh you kind of touched on, touched on this already but what do you see is like the release schedule 
over the course of this year? I mean, how many of each, how spread apart? Uh, you know, when they come out, will they be weekly until they're done? Or will you Netflix it and they'll all be out in, together? Uh, what does that look like? Or what do you think it will look like? Um, as of right now, uh, we have four, um, four productions in the works. Uh, the first and foremost was what I talked about a little bit earlier, which is the audio drama um, that was uh, given to us by Bob Freeman. Um, that is almost completed. It's a 30-minute uh, horror genre, uh, not specific to any game, but very, very much in the vein of H.P. Lovecraft, um, that kind of a, a, a feel to it. Um, so that one's almost completed. So that one should be out by the, by the end of February. Um, and then that's, th that's all there is to it. There's no more release of that because it's a one-time thing. We also have another one shot, which is a, a, as of yet untitled Victoriana one shot, uh, actual play that's, com that's been recorded. It's just a matter of piecing it together. Um, so that's what I'm shooting for, for the beginning of March is to release that as a one shot. Um, and what's currently in production right now is a fifth edition, uh, Dungeons and Dragons roleplay drama called Vala Victor Academy, which, um, the elevator pitch for that is it's Harry Potter meets Hero High. So it's, it's an, it's an adventurer's academy and the intention is to, um, run it as probably around 10 episodes, 10 to 12 episodes and run multiple seasons. So I'm looking at, I've got a five season story arc that I'm working with. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but uh, it will be a full production role play drama with the music and the um, uh, one aspect of the role play dramas that I forgot to mention earlier is that I completely re remove myself as the game master from the role play dramas to to a certain extent um and replace all of the npcs with voice actors so that way it it feels more like a production so um with you know with an, an adventurers academy you've got other students you've got um you've got the instructors things like that all opportunities for voice actors and like i said before i've got a link on the on our website for voice actors. If you're a voice actor and you want to you want to be a, you know, play a role in any of our productions, it's open. You can all you got to do is just get a hold of me, send me, you know, a uh like a tryout reel or something like that. Just a voice. All I need is your is just a, a quick maybe 30 second voice uh recording of you so I can hear your audio quality and also your vo your your vocal style so that way I can kind of piece you with or place you with a uh, a particular role so now I, I would assume that this would be volunteer work though are you in position to pay for any of this content it's uh right now it is voluntary um mostly what the uh what the voice actors have done in the past with uh with the previous productions is include that in um in their portfolio so that way uh whenever they do present to you know, voice companies or, or, you know, even, you know, if you, even if you're going to go through the actors guild and things like that, you have to have a portfolio of, of your work that you've done either through, through your school or whatever. Um, this just adds to that. Um, and those who have done 
our previous productions, you know, they've got uh, quite a bit of of things to put into their portfolio. Uh, in in just uh, just the last one, uh, there were some actors who had three, four pages of dialogue that they did, and you know th- that that's what casting directors are looking for. They're looking. They want to hear these things. They want to. How do? You, how well do you talk on a mic? Do you have mic discipline? Do you? You know? Do you have range? That kind of stuff. So, that's the whole point of what I'm doing. It, it much like what I was saying with the writers, it kind of works that way with the actors too. You know, this is an opportunity for people to get involved and do something with the intent of maybe stepping it up to the next level. Down the road, yeah, maybe we will pay actors. Um, it, when you start throwing money into things, it starts to get really sticky. And, you know, as of right now, I'm trying to support the, the community and, and kind of bring the community up and do things that people want to do. Paying for their time, I understand people's time is important and, and valuable. Um, but, you know, this, as of right now, it's, this is still just a hobby. No, I completely understand. I'm just trying to ask questions of what I think someone in the audience oh, might, sure. no, absolutely. Might, might be wondering. Um, now, you mentioned for an actor uh, or for a voice, you're, you're looking for like a 30-second uh, range. And if, if someone out there is really talented and wants to do multiple voices or accents, you know, it can be as long as you feel it needs to be. But as far as writing goes, do you want someone just to submit you the thing or would you want like an outline or an elevator pitch? Like what sort of writing samples would you want for consideration? Right now, the yes, the outline or just the elevator pitch is probably the best thing because um, I don't have a lot of time to read full manuscripts. So, yeah, it, pitching the idea, pitching the theme to me is probably the best thing to do. And I'm pretty open about stuff. So if you say, hey, I, I've got this story I want to do. That is this. Okay. At that point, then I would say, okay, then how about writing me up, uh, you know, give me a sample, you know, give me a thousand words on it and let me see what you think. You know, what, what, where are you going with this? What's your, what's your core concept or whatever? And we can always go from there. The way things have, have started, I mean, it's hard to get something like this off the ground because first of all, People are wondering, you know, what exactly is this? What are we doing? So in the in the beginning, what I did was I kind of threw it out there and said, writers, anybody who's interested, you know, just give me a, you know, hit me back and we'll we'll start a, a Facebook group and we'll discuss things. And I, I found that the people who are interested in that are, are very imaginative. And it, it was actually kind of a funny thing because I started including these people into this Facebook group. and much like getting any other kind of gamers together, all of a sudden they have a game of their own started. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to wait to, you know, do this. I, I got to get this. I got to, we got to do this now. Then the excitement was just, was just building. And I actually had to say to them, wait a minute now, this group is for writing stories for production, not just for home games. So what they did was they, then they completely understood that. So now, what they're doing is they're the intention is they're going to run this game as a almost like a uh, a primer for an actual play. They're going to record the whole thing. So there's what five, four or five of these 
uh, I call them openly gamer writers. They're getting together, doing their own game and recording it and then submitting it to me and saying, this is what we did. It'll be the first time that I've ever been removed from a production that I'm being involved with. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing too, but it kind of opened my eyes to, I don't have to put my fingers in everything. And maybe this is, this could be bigger than my initial, my initial idea of just me doing some cool stuff. And maybe I could, you know, start bringing in people who want to do productions of their own. Um, and that is also one of my goals is that eventually having people coming and saying, I've got this produced thing, or I've got this raw recording and I want to produce it for you. What do you think? You know, um, uh, it's it's an ambitious thought, but you know it 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 gets people involved, and you know if people work from from a uh, a common point of um, which is the audio quality has to be there, then you know I'm open for ideas or you know for any ideas for suggestions whatnot, and that kind of grew organically, and initially I was just like well, that's not really what the focus of this is. And then I realized what I was saying. I was like, no, this is what the focus is. The focus is getting these games out. And maybe it's not my game, but it's it's important because people want to people want to be involved. People want to do and produce their own stuff. And hopefully Openly Gamer Theater is one of those things that um, people will feel welcome and feel like they're not being restrained in any way and can kind of get their stuff out there if they don't have the means to do so themselves. So that kind of brings me around uh, to a question I may have should have started with, but um, so what is your training for all this editing and, and production that you do? Is that part of your normal job or is this all self-taught hobby work? Cause some of your stuff is amazingly well done. Thank you. Um, no, all self-taught. I've never taken any kind of audio production courses or uh, anything like that. Um, it was a lot of it is trial and error and that, being on a on internet talk show for five years, you know, you learn trial by fire really is what it was. You know, I, a lot of the the stuff you're like, ooh, I can't, we can't do that. That's that's horrible. That sounds horribly bad. And also some very insightful and generous people to give me pointers and say, you know, you really should try this, or maybe this would help you guys, or this would, you know, do that, this and that. Um, when it comes to the actual editing and the production of the shows, of the actual plays and the, the role play dramas, uh, I just figured it out myself. Yeah, uh, just to speak on that, I've you know I did the same thing. We're we're closing in on four years of our show now, and when I first started, I would just listen to other podcasts and I would reach out and, and I can't think of anyone that I reached out to that they didn't respond in some way. They may, they may not have given me hours of their time, but they would, you know, give me some advice, give me some encouragement. Uh, you know, it seems like at least for the most part, the people that are in our community are pretty willing to help one another. And that's something that we've tried to pay forward on our show, giving advice and helping people, you know, get to our level or better on quality. And it's not a zero sum game. If people listen to our show, that doesn't mean they're not going to listen to yours. That just means they're going to listen to both, hopefully. You know, I, I know my uh, my iPhone has so many podcasts. I get so far behind, and then something will happen, and I'll listen to like five in a day or something. But uh, absolutely, that's a bit of a tangent 
you know, I'm sure you and I could just nerd out on audio editing forever, but no one's going to care. Um, <laughs> right. But I'm just, I am very happy to be part of this community that I feel is very open and receptive and helpful and that kind of thing. Yeah. So Openly Gamer Theater is live now. Uh, you do have a couple uh, productions that they came out through Gamer Stable, but they're yours and they're, they're linked to on your site. And so when again, do you think the next thing will be out late February? Yeah, I would say by the end of February, the, uh, the more not the sleepless children is the title of it. It's an audio drama. Um, wonderfully, wonderfully written, wonderfully done. Uh, the voice actors were, were fantastic. Um, much like Hitchcock in a, in a way, I always include myself a little bit into them. So, you know, I'm in there somewhere. Uh, but a lot of times I'll modulate my own voice or I'll do something to kind of make it a little different, but, um, yeah, so end of February should that, that should be ready to roll out. And then right on the heels of that would be the, um, the Victoriana, um, actual play that was already recorded. And consequently, we've got a couple of people wanting to record some things, uh, within the next I would say two weeks to a month. So, I mean, there's content constantly rolling in. So eventually, yes, it's, you know, the first two months of the year have been kind of slow and I'm kind of riding the coattails of what I did before. But yeah, once, once the, uh, the first audio drama comes out, you know, maybe people will look at it and go, I need to write an audio drama for this, you know? And, and so people will submit those too, and people are recording their games and, and, and whatnot. So, I would anticipate something at least once a month from us for the next for the rest of the year. Okay, yeah, and I was going to touch back on that because we we sort of did, uh, but but when things are coming out, mm-hmm. uh, let's say it's a multi episode uh, production, is it going to be like Monday through Friday every Monday? Like, what do you see these things coming out when it's completely done? The intention is um, to actually when it's if it's a multi episode uh, production. Let's say um, there, we, like I said, uh, Val Victor's probably going to be about ten episodes, but I'm also looking for you know shorter shorter runs, you know, like a two, you know, like three episode miniseries and stuff like that. Uh, my intent would be to release it, like you said earlier, Netflix style, release it all at once. And the reason I I, I say that is in the past I've released them on either a weekly or a biweekly basis, and I have found that. Though people do enjoy the regular release, a lot, I would say maybe half of our listeners would just rather wait and have it all at once so they can listen to it from beginning to end at their own pace and not feel like they're, you know, waiting with bated breath for the next episode to come out. And like, that's, that's very much a Netflix, uh, Netflix started that at least as far as I know. And people absolutely love that. Uh, modern audiences are, are kind of like that. They, they, it depends on when they come into something and if they come into it, uh, late, well, then it's already produced. They don't have, they can listen to it from beginning to end, but if they're coming into it from the beginning, sometimes, uh, the old adage of the old, uh, te- television, you know, leave them wanting more and, and, you know, b- waiting for the buzz for the previous episode to, you know, so that when it picks up for the next episode, internet entertainment doesn't quite work that way all the time. So I would rather release it all at once. So that way people can binge it and enjoy it that way. I know that that's ne- not necessarily a popular uh, opinion, but that's just kind of 
the way I, I've been thinking about it over the last year or so, that if I could have done it in the past, I probably should have. That being said, the intent is to have something out every month, and I may change my tune if you know if I don't have any content to come out and I've got three episodes of Val Victor just sitting on the shelf, I might release it early or do a sneak preview or something like that. But yeah, the the intent would be to have it all available for for those who you know, that way people don't feel like they're either behind or or whatever. Let's say, for instance, they're listening to episode one of of something, and then they're like, "Ooh, I gotta wait," but I and I can't even really talk about it because all these other people are gonna wait until the end. So now I gotta wait three months before I could talk about something. So that way, it's all released at once, and people can talk about it all at the same time. Yeah, we we've. We flirted with that a little bit. Uh, I've gone back and forth. Some of the things I have done that way, particularly if it's if it's like a, a limited run, like if we do a trial, which is where we try out new games on our show, usually that's three, four, five episodes at the most. I have done that before where I'll just go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, fr- you know, Friday, and they all come out because it's it's com- it's complete. And I think that in your case, what you're doing with a with a production that makes sense on a, a show that plans on ongoing, potentially ad nauseum forever, you know, like an ongoing campaign, then I think the weekly model makes a lot of sense because you can right. be a couple weeks behind the game and it just kind of keeps going. But if you're like, this is going to be 10 episodes, then yeah, I probably would want to wait for those 10 episodes. And I know we just had probably what, what has been our most popular episodes ever. We did a crossover with One Shot and Talking Tabletop, our L5R games. And I was surprised how many people waited till the end to, to listen to them. Like there was, you could kind of, I could see the traffic. Like we had people listening, but once episode five came out, we were getting almost as many downloads of one, two, three, and four as five. So clearly people were waiting. And then that's when the conversation started on Twitter. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I just think I'm, I'm so ingrained in having to have content every week that I would like freak out if I had two weeks where nothing came out. I'd be like, everyone's going to leave me. <laughs> right. And that, that's a valid concern. And I think that's actually kind of a, a luxury of starting the way that Openly Gamer has started. I'm not starting it from scratch. I'm not trying to, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to build an audience, but there's also a built-in audience already there and they know what we can do. So, you know, they'll wait and there's plenty of content out there for people to listen to. They're not going to forget about us. They're just going to go, oh, wow, they just released this or, oh, wow, they just released that. I can't wait for their next thing. Um, you know, so it's it, we're not trying to to capture people at this point. It's more of a, we're trying to give them content that they're going to enjoy and um, I can take my time and not feel the pressure of, I, you know, I've, I, you know, I've only got, I've only had 10 downloads this month. Um, you know, well, that, that'll, that'll, that doesn't bother me at this point. You know, I've been at the game long enough to know that people come in and, and come into a, a thing and they, they leave a thing, you know, at their own pace and at their own time. So, um, I mean, we're getting, but people are listening to our Victoriana actual play and commenting on it and we did that four years ago five years ago almost and you know so it's it, putting the content out there in a timely fashion for me for this it it doesn't seem like it's necessary necessarily something that i have to focus on that much 
Yeah, and especially the way, you know, an iTunes or, or similar podcatcher subscription works is it's still going to be on my phone. It's it's like almost like a TiVo, and whenever you release something, it's just going to show up. I don't have to go seek it out. Right. So you only have to grab them once, and then they're going to get your content whenever it comes out. Um, and like you said, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I actually kind of makes me smile almost as much as anything is when I look at my stats, because I have OCD issues, so I look at them all the time, <laughs> uh, is when I'll see something that we released, you know, three years ago is one of my top downloaded. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, there must be new people that are finding our stuff, and they're going back and listening to all of it. Like, that just makes me smile. So you will have a back catalog that as you get new listeners, they're just going to go listen to everything anyway. So your downloads are going to come eventually at some point. Right, yeah. As long as you have the, you know, the the ability to stick to it. And that's that would be my first uh, advice to anybody starting their own podcast, is that a lot of people... When we first started, it was, I would go, I would approach people at like, you know, networks or, you know, even just other shows. Hey, will you, you, will you, you know, talk about us or whatever? And the resounding response was, come see me or come talk to me in six months because you might not still be around. You might not still be around. And I'm not going to put up a, you know, a link to your show if you're not around in six months. I always thought that was kind of crass, but now looking back, I understand why they did that. So, you know, Stick, stick, stick to it, a regular release schedule and, um, you know, stick to it over six months. If you can last six months, you probably got something going on. And, you know, so when you talk about a regular release scheduled show, I know we, we say a lot on our show, we said it here tonight, editing well is hard. It takes a lot of time. And and I don't want to sound like we're whining and complaining about this thing that we love to do, but anyone out there who's thinking about starting your own podcast, whatever amount of time you think you're going to be adding, it's more than that. Uh, And I think there's a lot of people who want to do this and they probably have the talent to do it. Maybe they just don't have the time. You know, I'm fortunate that I'm in a situation where my wife is ridiculously understanding of my hobby and she lets me have this time. But it's it really is a lot of time to do it, and we don't even do it as well as a lot of people. I think we're probably middle of the road, hopefully high middle. I like to think, and I put in it's a part time job. I mean, I literally put in twenty to thirty hours every week in this, in addition to my full time job. So that's not to discourage anyone, because I think there's room for any podcast that someone wants to make. But know going in that it's probably more work than you think it will be if you want to do it well. Right. I mean, yeah, anybody can record and and do. And, you know, and I don't, I don't discourage people from doing that either, because if that's what they want, if that's the fun that they want to have, you know, one of the reasons why we started Gamers Table in the first place wasn't because we thought everybody was going to love what we had to say. It was mostly as in homage to uh, a fun friend and thinking that we have very little of each other, you know, out there, you know, memorabilia and whatnot. So, you know, if that's your intention, then do do what you do, you know, but if you want to, you know, if you want to be noticed, if you want people to go, man, this is a really good show, your content could be there from the beginning. But if you don't have the editing, you don't have the quality, people are people are going to turn you off. Uh, I think the uh, my friend Dan says it all the time, you know, uh, podcasts are won and lost in the first five minutes. If you if you don't catch somebody in the first five minutes, if your audio is terrible or if you're not if you're not snappy enough, they're going to turn you off the first time they listen to you. So unless they really want to be there, like you said, editing, 
it it's like the redheaded stepchild of of what we do because nobody wants to talk about how hard it is and when and when you do talk about how hard it is people go shut up you know but yeah edit, edit, i think uh i can't remember if it was it was a director i think it was scorsese says he you know he he lives and dies by his editor because that that's who controls the pacing of your show oh yeah yeah and again we are getting somewhat off topic but to me <laughs> this is the more fascinating conversation in a lot of ways is i uh I have found that I actually really enjoy editing. Uh, and again, I don't do anything near to the level that you do with your production, but just just being able to control the pace of the story. I mean, just like what you're saying, Scorsese, like I have taken sections of dialogue out because they didn't play throughout. I've, I've moved things around. You know, I've taken a conversation that happened halfway through an episode and brought it to the front. Uh, you know, I've I've moved laughter around because I, I, there was a joke that I thought was funny. Most of it, I took someone's <laughs> laughter and I added it in, so it sounded like they were laughing at the time. Like I love doing that, and then be, be creating something through the editing process a lot more than I thought I would. And I think that's one reason why I do put in so much time is is a lot of what I do now is that. I mean, it, once you know how, you know, removing the sound, removing the ums and the ahs, like all that you can do. But then you you have this canvas, and I like to I like to play with the pieces. And put them together a little bit differently, and 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 see what I can create. And I really enjoy the editing uh, standpoint. But one last point I wanted to make to what you said, uh, you know, if you just want to record yourself to record yourself, I have been GMing now twenty eight plus years. Consider myself a pretty good one. But the number one thing that I feel has helped me get better is actually listening to myself, because I now have hundreds of hours of audio where I've played a game either as a player or as a DM and then I went back and listened to it usually multiple times because I have to go through each audio about three times to edit it and then I often will listen to our episodes when they come out anyway just to make sure that there's nothing wrong with them I don't freak out I've uploaded the wrong audio because that never happens <laughs> but but hearing myself run a game has been immensely valuable to me to figure out like what I'm doing well you know, when I can tell people are hanging on to my words and I've got them there and there's a there's an energy at the table. And then when I'm like, hey, it's your turn, it's your turn, it's your turn. I'm yep. like, what did I do? Why did I lose them? Yep. And so, you know, if you just want to get to be a, be a better DM or GM, just record it. Even if it's just your iPhone in the middle of the freaking table yep. and then just listen to yourself and you will be better. You will at least you'll have the opportunity to get better. Yeah. And you know what? And and I'm, I'm glad you said that because there's a reason why professional sports coaches and players sit and watch video over and over and over again. And it's because they're looking for what worked and what didn't. And you can, and listening to your, to you yourself run a game, you can really pick it out as long as you're not totally self-deprecating and, and, and hate the sound of your own voice. You listen to, you know, what worked here, you know, it seems like everybody was really intense at this point. What did I do? And that's really what podcast is for me is self assess self assessment. You know, I, I can I, I'm constantly evaluating myself, and you know, determining whether something I'm doing is 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 worthwhile or or is it working or whatnot. When you're talking about moving the the audio around, I'll give you a perfect example of that in my own experience, and it has to do with a role play drama. We did a, a Conan Savage Worlds called uh, the Tower of the Ape, and it was a seven seven episode role-play drama, and the final battle happens. The way the final battle happens in the production is not even close to the way the act, it actually happened at the table. 
Right. And that was all through editing because we had one player had to go to work. Uh, another player completely threw in the towel and said, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. So I had to creatively edit and make it into a dramatic moment, a climactic moment of the story because, you know, the pieces just weren't there. And I had to move things around. I mean, there's reactions to what happens at the very end that I pulled from the very beginning of players reacting to something completely different, you know? So you almost kind of feel like a wizard, you know? You're like, you're like, yes. <laughs> I completely agree. That's all. That's the perfect way. Yeah. You're a freaking wizard. <laughs> and I've heard, I've heard computer programmers say the same thing. Sometimes you feel like an idiot and sometimes you feel like a wizard. Um, and w when you're talking about editing, you feel like a wizard. You're like, you're controlling this whole story and it's just like, you know, it's all in your grasp. So, and that's, that's the cool part of what we're doing is we're, we're making these stories, but we're also making them exciting and, and fun for people to listen to. And I, it's changed the way I play a game. It's changed the way I run a game, you know, because I'm always thinking about how does this sound? And, you know, maybe that's the, some people would say that takes away from the essence of the game, but I don't think so because what you're talking about is you're talking about entertainment. And there is when you're talking about pr producing something and putting it out there, there's nothing cooler than having somebody tell you what you're doing is awesome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this it's validation. Right. You know, and that's the thing about a podcast. It's almost instant, you know, yeah. not really because you have to put a lot of editing. But when you release it <laughs> within a few minutes, you can get tweet retweets or comments or, you know, just you see that more people downloaded this episode than last episode. And absolutely. I mean, it's it's a validation to what we do. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we've done is when we first started the podcast, it, it was right when 5th edition came out. And that wasn't intentional. That's just the way the timing worked. But I had been playing ma with maps and minis almost the entire time. Like, I, that's just the way I, I played. That's the way I was taught. That's what I did. We played a lot of 3.5. So that's just what, you know, that's what you did. And it was very I very quickly realized that playing with maps and minis on an audio podcast, actual play <laughs> doesn't work yeah. very well. And, and you have to be very conscious of not saying I move here, I attack this one. Right. So it was easier just to not play with them. Yeah. And that's what we just started out play with them. And, and now I, I, I don't even want to ever play with maps and minis anymore because I enjoy the game more, not just for the podcast. I just enjoy playing more without them. And that's, that was just an evolution of, of the podcast. Right. And whenever you're playing, you already have an audience. It's you and the players. You're there to entertain yourself. And I think being aware of that just makes you more focused on trying to tell a good story and getting everyone involved. And it just happens that our audience extends beyond the table. But I don't think that really changes what we do as much as it just, it, it keeps us focused and wanting to do a good job. We want to do a good job when we role play for each other. And we just happen to have an audience that also enjoys it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> it's funny because you said that because, um, one of the things that my wife has said to me on more than one of occasion or more than one occasion says, you know, why are you doing this working so hard to entertain six people when you could be entertaining so many more? And that's one of the drives, you know, that statement itself was one of the drives why I'm doing what I do, you know, it, because I thought, it, it, and it's hubris, I guess, uh, in, to some extent, you know, it's like, you know, my stories are pretty damn cool. So I'm going to, everybody's going to love them. But in reality, it, it, like you said, it's validation. It's, yeah, I know my players like the game, you know, some of them like it more than others, 
But having somebody you have who doesn't know you from Adam to say, man, that story was really cool or that game that you ran was really cool or I wish you were my GM, (laughs) that feels pretty good, too. Absolutely. Okay, well, I think we have circled back around and jumped through hoops and crisscrossed uh, <laughs> back and forward quite a lot. So I'll just kind of ask you just a general question. Was there anything about Openly Game of Theater that I didn't touch on or you didn't have an opportunity to touch on that you would like to for for a potential audience or potential writers or actors that we just want to add before we go? Well, we, I think our conversation was pretty comprehensive. Just to reiterate, though, you know, it, it's not a closed, it's not a gated community, Okay. This is a project that I've 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 started that I want to be inclusive. So, you know, I'm I that's not to say that anybody, you know, anything's going to be produced uh or just anything is going to be produced, but don't feel intimidated. Uh, if anything, if if you submit me something and maybe we, you know, maybe I don't have time to do it or maybe it's not the right time to do it because maybe we've got something in the works that is exactly the same or near the same and I don't want to release two of uh, uh, similar things together but maybe I can bring you into the fold on something else, you know? And that's the other thing is collaboration. Uh, um, the, the Vala Victor uh, role-play drama series that, that we're starting, I'm not writing the whole thing. And I'm bringing in people who want to collaborate and want to be involved in this, you know, and inject aspects of the story that, you know, maybe I didn't think about. And it's and it's working out really well because people, you know, whenever whenever you collaborate with talented people, your your talent rises to you know to to meet theirs, and you put, start doing some really exciting things, and you you get people telling you things or you look at things from a different perspective, and sometimes other people's ideas are better than yours, so that's that's the 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 basis for what openly gamer theater is all about is the sharing of ideas and producing cool things based on those ideas. Very, very cool. And I'm really glad that you brought up collaboration because that actually does bring us to the very last thing that we wanted to talk about uh, with openly gamer theater uh, has to do with collaboration is that uh, we have extended an offer to you to bring openly gamer theater into the RPG Academy network and you said yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, Eric and Openly Gamer Theater will be part of the RPG Academy network of shows. Uh, we are very, very excited to have you a part of the team. And I know there are several people on our network that are already. I think I'm sure they've already contacted you about collaborating, oh, and yeah. being writers, and being voices. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's no requirement to use us, but if there's a place that we can help out, we will gladly do so. So uh, we're very excited to see what we can do together. Uh, and take your show, uh, I don't say to new heights because it's new, but to as high as it can go, uh, <laughs> all of us working together. Absolutely. I, I'm really excited. I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So, Very, very cool. Now, the last thing we're going to do um, for our long-term listeners here, you know that we've been playing a, a choose-your-own-adventure style game with some of our guests. We've been a little inconsistent, but we're getting better. Uh, but uh, Eric has agreed to be our, our guinea pig. And I know I'm, I'm not going to assume that you've listened to all of them. Uh, so I will catch you up very quickly. Okay. So these are all, all the guests that we've had on have taken little parts of the story. So you are a human wizard apprentice, and you were sent on your first like trial of courage, is what your master said when he sent you into the world. Uh, you went to a cave, you explored its depths, you eventually found a like an almost like an army of goblins, like an untold number of goblins, which is very rare for this part of the world. And you know, having a, an army that size has not been seen in generations. 
there was a lava flow going by them. You decided to throw lava on them, you know, because that's what you do. So uh, the goblin shaman created a lava fist and punched the bridge you were standing on. So where we ended the last scene was you were actually riding a stone, like a piece of the stone bridge was floating down this lava river like a raft. And uh, it got to a point where you were going to have to go over a waterfall of lava or jump to one side or the other and try to get off. Uh, so the person before you decided to jump to the left, uh, which would be the opposite side of the golem or the goblins. Unfortunately, you didn't make it. So you jumped, you actually landed in the lava, and obviously very quickly you were just engulfed in in the heat and the flames and the the flow. But then you wake up and you realize that you were actually back in the wizard's tower in your room. Um, it's night. You have a window that's closed, but you can see that there's just moonlight coming through. There's like a, a drizzle, but but the the tower is eerily quiet. So what would you like to do? I will get up and go to my door, open it, and listen for my master's snores, which usually resonate throughout the tower at night. Yes, yeah, so they are absent. Uh, your your uh, your room is a couple levels below his. His is at the top. Uh, there's a library between you, and uh, but you're you can always hear his snoring. He the snoring is not there. Okay. So either he's gone or he's awake. Okay, I'll steal up uh, through the library, and uh, to listen at his door to see if maybe he's you know if he's still awake or or whatnot. Uh, when you listen, you do not hear anything. You don't hear any movement or any sounds whatsoever, other than the the still drizzle of the rain outside of the tower. Crack the door if it's unlocked and peer inside. So you start to touch the door and uh, you feel a, a similar sensation. You know that your master has warded it with magic. So it is not physically locked, but it is magically locked. Okay. Since he likely does that before he goes on any of his extended journeys, I will uh, assume that he did, did that uh, in preparation for him leaving. So I will... I'll knock on the door just to make sure. Okay. You uh, you rap on the door solidly a couple times. No change. There's still no noise from inside the room. Okay. I'll make my way back down to the library and go to my desk and see if maybe he left me a note. Okay. And uh, we will leave your part of the story there. We will see what <laughs> you, what whoever else finds when you go to your study next time. Awesome. Eric, thank you for playing. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you so much for being a part of our network. I'm, again, super, super excited about that. And I'm looking forward to what you bring to the table uh, and listening to your next show. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited, too. And I'm looking forward to what we can do together. Excellent. Well, you have a great night, sir. And we will talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash vrpgacademy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. 
we use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at The RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.